Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Freaking first cut. Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your DFS preview for this week's Valspar Championship. And joining me to break it all down, as they do each and every Monday, Greg Ducharme is here. Greg, what up? Uh, Rick, what's going on? I'm thrilled to be here. Can't wait for this episode. Back to uh, a single field, right? Um, individual stroke play, which is always exciting. And we got some good names in the field, so I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, this is just back to like, okay, we've got individuals, we've got four rounds on the same course, we've got uh, the shot link data, like this is just bread and butter time, used to be part of the Florida Swing, not so much anymore, but we'll talk about that in just a second. Sia Najad rounds out our team for this very Monday. Sia, how's it going? I'm doing well. I got to admit, I'm already kind of missing the team atmosphere that we had last <laughs> week. I'm, I'm, I want maybe one other team event on this PGA tour. Just one. I'm not asking for much, you know, one, maybe at the first six months of the season and one at the tail end, but, uh, I am really excited about the Valspar championship, uh, being back in Florida. So let's get this thing going. I'm stunned. We, ha- we don't have a co-ed event yet. Like I, I thought that would have happened a long time ago where we would have, yeah, you, you will either, well, the European door tour did it, Greg, where I think they had men and women out there. They weren't playing together, but they're playing the same course. And they had individual leaderboards, but I'm shocked. We haven't had like one male, one female, um, figure it out with the T boxes and have at it. I'm shocked. We haven't had it. You've had some optional things. The QBE shootout allows that to happen. It's an unofficial event, but it does allow it. With an official event, it can get complicated when you're bringing in people that are um, from another tour, man or male or female. It just it can complicate things. Um, and it, the the event you speak of on the European tour, the name of it, I'm forgetting. It was new in 2019, I believe, with um, with Stenson and Annika. They were kind That's of. That's like, what Jacob was just saying. He said there, uh, Annika and Stenson co-host one in Sweden. Yeah, so they that. have a. It's a. It's kind of an interesting format. So it, it look. There's um, a lot of ideas. I've I've seen a lot of ideas thrown out there about getting a co-ed event on the schedule, which I think is. Um, I I think it's interesting, but ultimately. And maybe this is just me. I may be standing alone on this. I feel like when when a lot of people complain about having the same thing every week, 72-hole stroke play every single week, it's too much, it's monotonous. And you hear those things around these times when you have a match play event or you have a, um, you have a, um, a team event like we just did. And I always find that the 72-hole stroke play events are the, the biggest ones, the ones that most people get the most excited about, and they provide the best stories. So I, I don't know. I, I kind of like – I'm a fan of the old and the normal. I think it it provides the best drama, and there's a reason so many events are in that format. Um, but I am open to having another team event on the other side of the schedule, whether it's co-ed or just um, this kind of a very similar format to the Zurich. Because I, look, I thought it was great this week. It was my favorite rendition of this tournament so far. I loved covering it with you guys. I thought it was a was definitely a big success. 
Before we jump into this week's Valspar Championship, don't be shy. Leave a little thumbs up. Hit that like button on the video if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. A little five-star rating interview certainly goes a long way. And this is a big week in sports. We've got the NFL Draft. And if you want insight on who your team will be picking, look no further than the Pick 6 Podcast, your audio outlet for all things NFL Draft. The Pick 6 crew has you covered with player rankings, mock drafts, and plenty of gambling props to keep you invested even if your team isn't picking in the top five get ready for the draft by following the pick six podcast anywhere you find this one see could you imagine if we just like re- just drafted golfers like oh, just no. they had to like we had to put them into teams could you imagine that uh, i i can and i have and i will thanks for asking let's go Are we doing all right that today no, we've got Valspar oh, Championship darn. this week. It is a par 71. So this is Innisbrook. This is the Copperhead Corsia, which uh, makes a lot of sense because it bites back. We've got the Snake Pit. That's hole 16, 17, 18. This is routinely on the more difficult side of things that we get on the PGA Tour. Single digits under par of one, I think three out of six of these. So uh, it is certainly not going to be, or it's unlikely to be a birdie fest like we see at sometimes on the PGA Tour. It's going to be difficult. But the cool thing is about this one is it still lends itself to ball strikers. You don't have to be super long, particularly off the tee. You, you might have to be long just from a proximity standpoint. Your long iron play is going to be really important here. But I, I love this tournament. I love you know that we're, we're going to have one that's not a birdie fest and that you got yeah, got to stay in the fairway and your approach has to be great and your putting has to be great. I think this brings in the in, around the green too, by the way. I think this brings in the entire game. So I'm looking forward to picking our players as a whole in terms of their game as a whole. Bermuda Greens, par 71. It's 156 players, Greg. We're back to that 65 and ties getting through. This is a this is a big boy field. A lot of players here getting six of six through the cut line will certainly be no small task. It, you're absolutely right, Rick. It'll be um, it'll be something when we get down to the second half of the show today, to our second half of the picks, especially. That's really where you're going to make your hay this week. Because one thing about Florida golf that I I think about a lot is it, it in one way it favors a specific type of player very much so. Ball strikers tend to do much better in Florida than some of the scramblers that you see do really well on the West Coast. Um, but this rendition, being closer to May, I guess part of, I want, you know, a couple of the rounds are actually in May. And when you have, um, when, when you're playing this time of year in Florida, you tend to get a little bit lighter wind, tend to get more south winds, which... Depending on mile, in a strange way, a north wind when it's cold and it, it plays windier than a south wind if the mile per hour if is the exact same. Sia knows living in South Florida when the wind's coming out of the south, it's usually warm and it's kind of a light breeze. And when it comes out of the north, it's cold, heavy, and you want to you want to block it with an umbrella. So I, I think this time of year lends to some. Um, e- easier conditions in a way because the wind is is um a little lighter and then even if it's windy it just plays lighter and then the other thing is the course will get a little firmer and a little faster which is what we always used to see at the player so it plays a little shorter and and the greens become a little more complicated so and i think that that opens it up to everybody most of the time in florida we're not in may so that kind of widens the the field and some of your shorter hitters i think have a better chance this time of year than they would in say march or february 
All right, well, let's take a look at this field. It's a pretty good one. I'm going to pull up uh, my cheat sheet, which I've hoped to made a, uh, make a bit easier to read with larger font and all these things. So doing my best here. Uh, we've got five golfers over $10,000 led by Justin Thomas at 11500 DJ, not the most expensive golfer, 11200 Victor Hovland at 10.5. Patrick Reed at 10300 And Sia, the man, going for his third consecutive win in this event paul casey is an even ten thousand dollars when i present you with these five names who interests you the most i say this a lot i'm not super intrigued by this range as a whole but you asked me the question so i'm going to give you an answer patrick reed is probably my favorite guy i mean listen i i think it's pretty easy to make the argument for paul casey in spite of the fact that you know lately he's been Average, you know, at least for Paul Casey, he's been average. Uh, the last three tournaments, he's he's been okay. Um, Victor Hovland, I'm not sure where his game is right now, and I don't know that I want it from a DFS standpoint. I don't know that I want to pay up for Justin Thomas or uh, Dustin Johnson. So I just kind of fall by process of elimination on Patrick Reed. It is going to be a tougher test, and Patrick Reed has sort of proven himself to be up to the challenge. And I do think he has the entire game. I mean, listen, his. Strokes gain metrics aren't great, but when you see him out there on a tougher course, he's usually finding the fairway, or if he's not, he's usually finding a way to to get that GIR number uh, up there, and uh, he's he can he can have a hot putter. So if I'm going to pay up, I think Reed is my favorite guy. Yeah, Reed kind of does it a different way. He's kind of this short game specialist you can see here, and and he's we've talked about this all the time, Greg. He's kind of this low key big game hunter. When conditions get more difficult, he tends to play better. He played well, and of course ends up winning at Torrey Pines earlier this year. He's finished runner up at this event twice. He also has a seventh place finish in his last five. If I present you with these five golfers, is Reed the most interesting, or is there someone else here that might be able to get the job done? Boy, I tell you, there's a lot of reasons to like read. So first, I just want to kind of um, piggyback on some of Sia's points here. As I mentioned, this event being, I'm just going to say that it's in May. Um, I, I think the grounds are going to get a little bit firmer. And and so the course will play a little bit shorter. And Patrick Reed's ball flight, I think, lends itself to, uh, he gets a great benefit from that. And I think you'll see his distance number, his distance ranks in the field increase. The other thing I like about Reed is he has a go-to shot off the tee. Um, and or at least he has in the past. I'm, I'm imagining that he's going to, well, what that allows him to do is avoid Patrick penalty areas, which is the key in Florida. You see guys winning scores being in single digits. The key is to avoid those penalty areas. You don't have to make a ton of birdies. And so for Patrick Reed, who's a great putter, has a great short game, he can also get the ball in play. So if you can avoid those penalty areas, get up and down when you miss greens uh, and make just a couple of putts, then you're going to be in in great position this week. So I think Patrick Reed's very interesting, especially with his course history here. Um, but that being said, JT and DJ, yeah, I I, I kind of have a hard time with these two guys. Okay, I'll start with JT. Um, this is so hard to say after what he did at the players, right? I would think uh, uh, his inaccuracy off the tee would be the thing that concerns me here, but he won the players championship. I would have the same concerns there. Take that for what it's worth. I I, I think I'm staying away from JT this week. Um, and DJ is interesting to me because you're kind of taking a flyer on him if you play him. 
Um, he's the number two or number one ranked player in the world, number two highest price player in this field. I think there could be a little bit of value there. And he, he's coming off of a great round of golf, 66 in the final round at the RBC Heritage. And we know this guy with the snap of his finger can flip a switch and become the best player in the world, which he's currently ranked, but he hasn't been playing that way of late. So I'm I'm very interested to see what happens with DJ and with the putter this week. And I kind of have a feeling that it's going to go really well. So I like DJ for that sense. It, it's riskier than Patrick Reed. Um, I think with Paul Casey, you're probably not going to get a three-peat. I think his play is kind of on the way. That hot streak has kind of come to a little bit of a halt. So you're probably going to get a nice week out of him, but I don't foresee a win or, or really close contention. So I, I'm i kind of left with Reed and DJ in this range of guys that I... And I really like them both. It's just DJ is a little more risky. Yeah, the... Putting is is interesting. So I'm showing you the the strokes gained by tournament logs on rickrungood.com. And Sia, you've got a, a DJ who is a notorious tinker with the putter. He's always, he's always got a different putter in the bag. Well, it seemed to work at the RBC Heritage. He gained five strokes on the greens that week. That's his best since... He ran away with the Northern Trust. Okay. That was back in August when he won by 10 shots or whatever it was. That was his best putting performance since then. So we don't need DJ to go nuts and gain another five strokes putting. But if he does, it's certainly going to help. Yeah. By the way, that losing 10 strokes at the WGC (laughs) is just mind boggling. That's just (laughs) on the greens. Uh, But yeah, to your point, Rick, you know, I got to be honest, Greg, you've sort of convinced me to consider Dustin Johnson here because I love the logic of you're kind of taking a flyer on DJ, which is so weird to say, right? But you kind of are because I don't think he's going to be very popular from an ownership standpoint because he's been kind of middling lately. He's obviously the most expensive golfer. And I just, you know, I think between the two guys, him and and JT, I think JT is probably going to garner more ownership, especially since, you know, his last tournament. Well, what was it? The Masters. He was he was in contention there. For a while, that, at least. That was the other thing. So I, I think I still prefer Dustin Johnson. You know, my my New Year's resolution this year was to play more DJ. He's not the most expensive <laughs> golfer. Like, like I'm cool. I'm cool with that. But I do think that the sentiment, like, okay, so Justin Thomas finished 21st at the Masters, and and Greg, I actually think it. Like it, it was better than that. I mean, he was rolling. He was like within two shots on Saturday when they had the weather delay, and Hideki went in this direction, and JT went in that direction after they came back. Yeah. It was never the same. Look, it was one. It was a bad decision, which happens at Augusta National. It happens in the Masters where you are contending. It's so emotional. The ride at Augusta is so emotional, and when you're contending, and in one shot which he did one hole, one shot. When you play your way out of the tournament in one moment, it it becomes extremely demoralizing, especially for a guy like DJ who's not playing for a paycheck. He he doesn't care about yellow squares in his major championship resume. He wants the green ones. And all of a sudden, he doesn't have that opportunity. So the the finish after the what happened at hole number 13 on Saturday, after that, I almost write off. And I say he's that may motivate him to come out this week and have a great week. Um, but again, I just I, I worry about the T, the, the driving game. And I think I think JT has some good golf ahead of him. I'm just not sure it's this week, especially when he's 
priced higher than DJ. I feel like I feel like when DJ is the second highest priced player, it's a huge bargain and a great opportunity to buy. Even though, like, how do you call a guy who's above eleven thousand a value play? But there's almost a value play with DJ this week, which I find very interesting. There is a golfer at ten thousand dollars even who has won this event twice, and Coach knows his name. Give me fuck. Give me fuck. Who's it? how good is that i love that it's paul casey see ya it's the paul casey championship he not only wins it in 2018 he says i'll do it again in 2019 if he does it again here in 2021 he'll be on a very short list of names for golfers who have won this event uh, or any event three times in a row and a lot of those instances uh, are tiger woods i've heard of him Uh, i don't i guess we have to figure out what we're doing here he's he's likely to be popular he's playing phenomenal in fact i've been making the case over the past couple of weeks that his metrics on the pga tour are not even that are not even as good or reflective of how good he has played because he has that european tour victory as well that doesn't even get factored in to his pga tour strokes gain so what do we do with the guy who's probably just going to be uber chalk above eight above 10k yeah, it's a tough one for me. I think you guys know my history with Paul Casey. I, I've never really been super fond of his game. I mean, I kind of infamously said he was the poor man's Webb Simpson on our on our big six wide, you know, telecast. I, I, and and I, I still kind of think that. And I don't think that's a knock on Casey, by the way. I think Webb Simpson's really good. I think Paul Casey exhibits a lot of the traits that Webb Simpson does. But you know, I think Greg might be right. You you, you don't want to. I don't really want to buy high right now, especially when buying high is at a point where he's been kind of middling the last few tournaments. So I think Greg might be right. He's sort of peaked this year, and, and I, I understand golf ebbs and flows, and he he might be great this this particular tournament. But at ten thousand, I'd rather pay up for Patrick Reed. Or frankly, I absolutely love the nine K range, so I think I'd rather pay down for for some of those guys. I tell you, I'm on fire today, Rick, because when C is telling me that I'm right, normally that goes the other way around, and I've heard it now on a couple of convincing him on DJ. This is dangerous territory for me, but uh, but I agree, and I'll make one other comment on Sia. If you're the poor man. Webb Simpson, you're still pretty rich. So it's oh, not, 100%. I agree with you. It's not a knock. It's not a knock. It's I'm saying he is secondary to one of what I consider one of the best players in the world, a, a top 10, top 15 player perennially, perennially. Um, we will be trolled on Twitter if we skip the only other guy in the 10K range. So Greg, I, I'm not, I don't have a big take on Victor Hovland this week. I think being accurate off the tee and being precise with your irons is, is something that plays well at every single course. And you look at what Hovland has done leading into this event. Well, his last five haven't gone all that great. He finished 49th at the API, missed the cut at the players, didn't make it out of his group at the match play, had a top 25 at the Masters. That was fine. And then what will be deemed as a disappointment in the team event at the Zurich by finishing 25th after uh, being in the lead through 36 holes. How do we reconcile what to do with Victor Hovland this week? Well, I, I think there's a couple ways to look at it. One thing I've learned is when you look at recent form, there's a couple of ways it can go. So when you look at a guy who's finished tied 21st and tied 25th the last two weeks, is that a good thing or a bad thing? And if you add a one in the next column, after next week, there'll be another line there and you'll see T21, T25 win. Well, that that completely changes the recent form. And all of a sudden, well, you could see this coming. The form's been been improving. It's been good. So I I look at that 78 in the last round of uh, the Zurich Classic, and I I, I think that... um, 
you have to put a big, big asterisk next to it because yeah. it's a team alternate shot event. We saw the the uh, approach shot that his partner hit um, on the very first hole, which was not good. And that can send things in a really bad direction. And it's hard to carry a partner in alternate shot um, unless you're Phil Mickelson and Charles Barkley is your partner and your opponents <laughs> are not PGA Tour players. Then it's a different Easiest story. money ever. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to carry people at alternate shot. So I'm kind of writing that off. And I think, Rick, when you look at this, this should be a perfect golf course for Victor Hovland. Um, It's going to ask for positioning off the tee. It's going to ask for great ball striking. It's not going to ask for a ton of putts hold. My one concern, the reason I'm kind of more likely to stay away is, well, one price, but also I'm still a little worried about the short game. And I think when these greens get really firm, more greens are going to be missed than um, uh, than a a year where this may be in, in March or February or another time in the season. So I'm a little worried about that, but I don't think playing Victor Hovland would be a bad idea at all. The $9,000 range, it's Scotty Scheffler, Corey Connors, Louis Eustace, and Terrell Hatton, Abraham Answer, Sung J.M., Joaquin Neiman, and Russell Henley. Sia, you have already declared your love for this range. It is time to profess it. And by the way, I've made some lineups and I, I've had I've had some where I've started surprise, surprise, where I've Salary, started. Salaries have been out for 12 minutes. Yeah. 90 lineups deep. Yes, indeed. <laughs> um, so in the 9K range, I mean, you, you can absolutely start there. I mean, I'll probably have half my lineup starting here. But I mean, listen, I Corey Connors, you can't really make yeah. too much of an argument against him. His ball striking has been great. His short game has also been good, which is kind of like an emerging surprise when it comes to Corey Connors. So I obviously love him. I mean, from a DFS standpoint, particularly in bigger tournaments, I mean, you're going to want to consider just fading him because I think he's probably going to be the most popular player on the slate. And I don't think that's really a stretch. I mean, I think, I mean, I'd put some money on that right now that Connors is, is top two in most popular uh, owned. The reason for that, and I think you're absolutely right, Sia, is he some some books opened him up with the third shortest odds this morning or on Monday morning, wow. and he is priced as the seventh most expensive golfer on DraftKings. So there is a discrepancy there. So people are going to take the value, but they're also Greg just looking at what he's done. I'm filtering it right now by January first, 2021 to right now. Corey Connors, second best player in this field behind only Charlie Hoffman, which is shocking. But then you go and you look at some of his results. Well, he has gained strokes on approach in every single start this calendar year. He has gained strokes off the tee in all but one of his starts this year. The only one he lost, he lost 0.38 strokes at Riviera. I I mean, this is... If Paul Casey is the blueprint for winning Valspar, Corey Connors is cut from the same cloth. Man, if you look at, um, there's a a great similarity between them from a statistical basis too, because because Corey Connors putting has improved this year. He's 68th on tour in strokes game putting. And that may not knock your socks off, but when you come, when you pair that with his ball striking ability, it kind of does. And what you end up with is a guy that in his last five stroke play events, you take the yes. match play out. They've all been inside the top 14. So he is playing extremely good golf and, and this golf course should suit it perfectly. So if I fade Corey Connors, which I may in some cases, it's strictly an ownership play. It, it is not, I, I think it's very easy to predict, um, a very good week from him. Um, 
I don't know if anyone has anything else to add on Corey Connors, but I got another guy that I'm, I think there's just huge question marks about in this. And uh, it's Louis, of course. Ooh, of one course. of my favorite. He's at 95, right below Corey Connors. And I look at Louis Ustazen, who has a really nice record here um, and, and is playing some very good golf. His putting is much improved. We saw how well he hit the ball um, last week. Drove it great with the exception of the playoff. And I'm <laughs> One wondering. Shot. <laughs> yeah, I know. And it's it's brutal to watch. But the that's the question. What's the effect of that? Because I, I go back, I think for us, when we look at a team event with an asterisk next to it and say, yeah, team, but these guys don't. They're under pressure. He's trying to k- get Charles Schwartzel a victory, trying to get him a two year exemption on the PGA Tour, trying to move him up in the FedEx Cup points race. He's trying to help out his partner a little bit and he doesn't give him a chance to hit a shot under pressure, which I think is extremely disappointing. So I am probably Louis is circled on on the board this week for me, and it's it's largely positive. But this is the lingering question. Some of the other positives here, his last three starts here, tied second, tied 16th. Tied seventh. Another reason it just adds to the trip down Narrative Street, um, which I know you'll find Sia on. So I'm I'm very <laughs> interested in Louis. I may take a chance on him. I may as well. I'm not as concerned about any lingering effects from last week. You nailed all the things that I was thinking about for why this sets up so well for him. All right, Sia, back to you here in the 9K range. Who else you got? Yeah, I like Louis. I I by the way am concerned about that that tee shot, which by the way. I mean, I, I had an outright on the, on those two, which for, for the record, I put in on Saturday. I got it at 16 to one and um, getting to that playoff. Well, first of all, watching Leishman chip in was a little disturbing. And then the tee shot in the playoff, I was like, man, I don't even have a shot. Like one shot in the playoffs already over. Yeah, done. But but uh, enough about me. The other guys I like, Terrell Hatton, you know, I, I've kind of been on him and it hasn't really paid off. I, I got to be honest, but I think the game is starting to come around. And when I, you know, as much as we might think, okay, Hatton just hasn't been very good. If you go his last 36 rounds, I mean, any model you you make up here, Connors is probably going to be number one, but Hatton's probably going to be in your top 10 if you have the right metrics in there. I mean, his, his approach game, particularly with the long irons has been really good. Everything else just kind of measures out. And I think this might be finally the time where Hatton's actually competing Sunday afternoon, as opposed to just, you know, coming in 15th or 18th place or something like that. The other guys I like here, um, I'm normally on answer, but, but not this week. I will say, I think Russell Henley's a pretty good bargain. Um, talk about being good on approach, getting it in the fairway. Um, Russell Henley's going to do that for you. And I just, I just think he's a great play and a great value at 9,000. I love Henley as well. He's a great play. I agree. See ya. Here's the thing with Hatton, which is, and Greg, you could argue this is good or bad. Uh, I'm looking at his round by round logs right now, and he is routinely, routinely gaining three and a half or four shots on the field. He did it twice at the RBC Heritage. He did it twice at the Masters. He did it twice at the API. He did it twice at Workday. The problem is it's the other two rounds. It's the it's the one or two rounds that he goes out and he loses two shots or three shots to the field. And I'm I'm I normally look at that and say, okay, he can at least flash the upside. That's the one thing that I think a lot of PGA Tour professionals lack is that they don't have the ability to go out and gain five strokes on the field. Hatton does have that. So I tend to think this is a good thing, but he's he's showing a pattern of two great rounds, two poor rounds, and I'm just sitting here clicking his name every single week. 
And you know what the big concern to me when I hear that is this is exactly what Florida golf is. If you keep yeah. it in play, if you keep it in play on Thursday, it's it's uh, it's manageable and it doesn't seem that bad. But all of a sudden you get a little loose with a couple of tee shots and you end up in places where you can't play. And then Thursday uh, and then Saturday and Sunday, the fairways shrink because you know where all the trouble is now. And it feels so much narrower than it did on Thursday and everything changes. So Florida asks for extreme volatility where if you're getting it in play and you're getting it on you, you can you can make birdies but you can make doubles x's and and more um as well at the very same time so that kind of volatility is a big concern for me and the reason i'm staying away from that speaking of florida golf. What I've just done is I've just plugged in the last six years of the events that we play traditionally on the Florida swing. So that's Honda API, the players championship. I threw in there. I threw in Valspar and I threw in this year's WGC workday. The man with a big sample size who gains the most strokes to you in Florida in the last six years, you know who it is. I hope. Who is it? Uh, I, I'm guessing it's Sung J.M. Sung J.M. Yeah, it yes. is. Greg knew too. Greg, Greg yeah. gave us the Greg gave us the the uh, which, the by the way, Rick, the golf that. ball thing is oh, like, that's awesome. That's epic, we haven't talked honestly. about this. Yeah, I knew. So I saw. I'll make this quick. I saw Sung You'll Know at TPC Summerlin, and I was like, I'm pretty sure that's Sung You'll Know. Blah blah blah. And I was playing those Sung J balls. And first of all, I will say this, Greg. Sung Yul should not be where I'm at, where I'm losing those balls for him to find them. He should not be <laughs> in this in those locations. But look, whatever happened, he found Rick, all that mean all that means is that he's a good guy and he's helping his partners look for golf balls. Okay. That's you know exactly it's not what it means. That's that's all it means. <laughs> that's exactly what it means. Uh Sung Jay in Florida, he's played 39 rounds. He's gaining 1.9. I'm gonna round up for him. 1.9 strokes per round. Scotty Scheffler has technically been better he's only played 11 rounds and if we look at the results for sung jay it includes just cherry picking these a third at the api a fourth at the valspar that was in 2019 he won the honda he finished third at the api finished eighth at this year's honda a top 20 at the player i mean it's just like it, greg you're you're the you're the florida pro right like you're the guy like does this mean anything or have i just happened to click a bunch of events that one guy happens to play well at no, I, I do think it means something. Um, there's there's definitely a style. There's definitely a strategy that works really well in Florida. Typically, the model is typically guys that are really good ball strikers. Um, and, and I would say driving becomes more important in Florida than where approach play. Usually with ball strikers, we look at, we look at a, approach play. My, a ball strikers golf course to me is like an iron play kind of a place, like Augusta National. Mm. But in Florida, the, the tee shot becomes so much more important. Um, because you have, you have to get the ball in play and there's a lot of immediate trouble lingering off the tee. So, um, I, I think when you look at a Sung JM, when you look at a Scotty Scheffler, they're really good drivers drivers of the ball traditionally, and it leads to really nice success. And then the other thing is that the greens aren't extremely undulating, not nearly as undulating as they'll be at Augusta National or some of the courses in Texas or um, or California or the Northeast, pretty much anywhere else. And so they... Um, those kind of players can fill it up a little bit more on the greens. And it's clear that Sung Jay, maybe we're learning that Scotty Scheffler really liked Bermuda greens. So I, I think for all those reasons, um, these guys have done really well in Florida. 
eight Florida events in a row for Sung Jae. He's gained strokes putting nine straight Florida events that he has gained strokes off the tee. And you don't have to twist my arm to play Sung Jae. In. Okay, gentlemen, what we're going to do is we're going to jump down to the 8K range, and then we're going to go deeper and find some value. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain. Those numbers do not add up to me. And I know it can be confusing the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple. And that's where super feet comes into play. These super feet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking uh, a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. And we're back. I want to tell you about the all-new Stitcher podcast app. It's been rebuilt from the ground up to make it easier to listen to podcasts on the go or on the revamped web player. Stitcher is home to all your favorite podcasts from classics like My Favorite Murder, This American Life, and How Did This Get Made? All the CBS shows are there, such as the Pick 6 pod, the NFL, or excuse me, Fantasy Baseball Today, and of course, your favorite, The First Cut. In Stitcher, you have more control, like setting your download preferences per show and the ability to listen at virtual virtually any speed with stitcher you can listen to your podcast anytime anywhere so give the all new stitcher a try download it in the app store or at stitcherapp.com slash download the eight thousand dollar range it's a small one it's got bubba watson justin rose jason kokrak charlie hoffman ryan palmer cameron tringale emiliano grio chris kirk max homa kevin na Taylor Gooch, see ya. We talked about Charlie Hoffman, or at least we illustrated earlier how well he has been playing. So I think he is a viable option in this $8,000 range. Are you in on the Hoff, or is there someone or someone's else that you would prefer? Hmm. Yeah, I'm in on the Hoff. I think he's a, he's going to be another popular guy, but that that's okay. I mean, the you know the thing is, Hoffman's just you know Hoffman and Kokrak, I think are two golfers in this range that are just they've been sort of underappreciated and unnoticed this entire year, and they're yeah. both striking the ball really really well. So I like both of those guys. I mean, I'll probably 
Yeah, I love the value on Hoffman. I think that's what I like the most there and Kokrak. But as I go down that list, I mean, there's a lot of guys I like here. You guys know, of course, president of the Ryan Palmer fan club. I'm going to have to click that button on, in a few lineups. And here's the kind of curious part. I'll, I'll tell you a couple of, before I get to this guy, a couple other eight guy got 8K guys I like, Chris Kirk and Taylor Gooch. But the, the weird part here is... Cameron Tringale is, is one of my guys. I love him. I think he suits this course wonderfully. Yeah. I really think he's got the complete game like, like we talked about at the front end of the show. With that said, his history here is kind of deplorable, for lack of a better word. And I'm wondering what the disconnect is. Let me try to make the case for him because you are 100% correct. Uh, the, the, the results have been terrible, but I'm showing his player profile right now. And you could make a case that the version of Cameron Tringali that we have seen at this event in the past is nowhere near the version we are seeing of him right now. Remember, it's been two years since we've played this event. In 2019, he was losing strokes off the tee. He was gaining a little more than half of a stroke per round on the field. Well, he got better in 2020 and he got a lot better in 2021. He's currently in the midst of by far the best season of his career. He's gaining strokes off the tee like he never has before. His putter has heated up and has been more consistent like it never has before. So see, I would just argue that this he is he is so much improved from what we saw a couple of years ago. I'm not sure how relevant those results actually are. Well, Rick, I welcome your argument because I've already put kind <laughs> of a sizable bet down on Tringale at a book at, at 50 to one. So I was I was happy to find that number, and uh, that's a convincing argument. I guess he's going to be the winner. Uh, well, in hopes for your wallet, uh, hopefully Cameron Tringale does get it done. Okay, Greg, over to you. We're here in the AK range. We've got some veteran like Bubba Watson, Justin Rose. We've got guys who have been piling up great finishes like the aforementioned uh, Charlie Hoffman, Jason Kokrak. Where are you headed here? So the uh, the Hoffman, Kokrak, and Palmer group, I think is all interesting. And if you like one of those guys, I wouldn't steer you away from it. Um, okay. The interesting guy to me is Justin Rose. Um, and, and there's a couple reasons for that. I watched Justin Rose play and I get a sense that the golf swing still a little bit a ways away. Now that could be, I, I just don't know how long that is. I think he's still a little underneath. I still see a little, um, some lingering effects of a two-way miss, some overdraws and some leaving it to the right. It's not necessarily dramatic and disastrous, um, but I, I still think his profile is kind of a short game and putting guy, uh, which is a complete departure from the Justin Rose we all know and love. But I yeah. do think it's getting better. Um, and and this recent form with the seventh at the Masters and the tied 11th last week has me wondering, is the Justin Rose that came in tied fifth in 2018 when he was... Uh, number one in the world. I believe he was number one in the world that week. Um, 2014, he came in tied eighth. 2011, he came in tied fifth. The guy has some really high quality starts here. And I'm wondering if this is the kind of golf course where you got to be really strategic. You got to place the ball around. If this is a really good fit for a Justin Rose with um, with his new and improved short game and putting. So I, I have some real questions about him and I'm kind of, I, I think long-term there's still some work for him to do, but I, I kind of have a funny feeling that this could be a good week for him. Let me bounce this right back to you on Justin Rose because I really don't know what to do with him. I think I can make the case that he's got a seventh at the Masters, he has 11th at the Zurich, and maybe he is rounding into form, Greg. Or I could make the case that he 
shot a historic round on Thursday, lapped the field by three or four shots uh, at a place that tends to benefit those with experience. And then he held on for three more rounds to finish seventh. And then he went to a weird format where he got to partner with Henrik Stenson. And, and again, experience matters. I, I like, could I write those two kind of situations off as the perfect spots for him to find success? Yes. And in fact, I think that's actually what's happening here. But I think this may fit the bill as another perfect spot to have success. If Justin Rose goes out and wins this week, I'm still not in the, depending on how he does it, uh, I'm still not in the in the camp that, hey, this guy's back. Of course, there's a way he could put on a complete display tee to green and, and really uh, kind of prove me wrong. And I could say, okay, Justin Rose is back. That could happen. I don't. I, I think he could also win. And I could say he's he's not back. He's played a couple of he played he's played a f- favorable format as you just pointed out, Rick. Maybe it's favorable. He Maybe. had a, definitely a favorable partner. Augusta National is a course that he knows and plays very very well at, and it's a course that asks for strategy and experience. I think this is another course that asks for the same thing. So for that reason, I'm I'm interested in Justin Rose. I wouldn't be surprised to see a third week in a row of great success, and then we'll see what happens when we get to a place like Kiowa Island, um, where I don't expect if if this kind of um, fingerprint continues, I don't expect it to go very well for Justin Rose, but I think this week could be a different story. Did you ask what his official World Golf ranking was? What, what year? 2018 when he finished T5 here? Is that what the yeah. year you were referencing? Yeah, I think it was one, right? He was he was fifth. He became he was number one. He was trending though and he was going in that direction. He became number one in the world a uh, handful of starts later, but he was definitely going towards that. He's playing really well. Hey, can I oh, just so add that's right. So this was beginning of 18. He ended 18 as world number one. <laughs> Correct. Okay, so uh, I, I'm, yeah, I got 18 sure. and 19 mixed up. That makes a right. lot of sense. Let me yeah, just add one, yeah, one more thing on Rose, because we're talking about two good tournaments in a row, and this could be his third, but wouldn't it really be four tournaments in a row? Because he pulled out of the API on Saturday because of a back issue, but but correct me if I'm wrong, prior to that, I mean, he was, he was kind of crushing it in, in all the metrics. 71 And in his standing. Interesting. Yeah, seventy-one sixty-eight. he shot, and then withdrew. That would have been, been uh, five under at the halfway point at the Arnold Palmer Invitational would have you near the top of the leaderboard. Uh, yeah, he and he and the metrics were pretty good that week. So okay, so the, it would it would actually might go back further than that. See ya, good call, buddy. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Anybody Love else in here? See ya. Anybody, <laughs> anybody else in this eight thousand dollar range that we should consider? The the partners from last week, Homa and Gooch are down here. See ya. Anybody anybody else? Are we good to bop down to the sevens? It's a great range. I do want to bring up Emiliano Grillo because we are talking about ball strikers, yeah. and it's really hard to ignore a guy like that. I understand he's team no putt, but again, we've seen regression, you know, both ways there. So I think uh, Grillo's. I, I mean, it's kind of a risky play, but again, he's a ball striker. That's what we're looking for. He measures out just here. I'm looking at this um, 8K range, and I wanted to ask Sia this question. How many guys in one of your line? What's your max number of 8K guys in this lineup? Because these are all, this is your fan club. You got yeah. you got Ryan Palmer, Cameron Tringale, Chris Kirk, Emiliano Grillo. I mean, do you, are you all, do you have any lineups that are all 8K right at that $8,300 average? It's funny because right when we started this range, I was like, I need to make a lineup with just the 8K guys. But you can't do that. Like, you'll have to dip down into the seven because the math's not going to work out. Yeah. But I honestly, if you told me that Charlie Hoffman, Jason Kokrak, um, Chris Kirk, uh, Cameron Tringale, you know, 
Taylor Gooch were going to be somewhere in the top 10 on Sunday. I wouldn't tell you you're, you're, you're an idiot. Like, I think those guys are viable to be contending in this tournament. I'm not saying the only ones that are viable, but I'm saying in this 8K range, I think you have guys that could contend. Yeah, you love that range. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go down to the large 7K range. It's Keegan Bradley and Sam Burns at the top. It goes all the way down to the flat 7,000, which includes a list of names like Henrik Stenson, John Hunt, Keith Mitchell, Luke List, Erasmus Hogard, and Tom Hoagie. Uh, Greg, we'll kick this to you first. I've got... I have two names. Actually, I probably have three names I really like in this 7K range, uh, but I want to know who you like. Well, I think right from the top, Keegan Bradley is kind of hard to look away from. He's been playing some really nice golf of late. Um, you look at some of these recent starts, it's t- uh, a 23rd at the Valero Texas Open, it's 30th at the Honda Classic, um, 29th at the Players, 10th at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Um, don't don't let it slip by that there are three of those courses are Florida golf courses. <laughs> yes. And and last week was a pretty good week for him too with, with uh, Brendan Steele. I know how much you like that. Where did they finish, Rick? Uh, fifth, I think they cashed my top 10 ticket. So somewhere inside yeah. the top 10, but I think it was, yeah, fifth. they were, they were right there. So, yeah. um, another great week. So I think he's trending in the right direction. His history here, it doesn't have me overly excited, but again, I wouldn't necessarily consider Florida to be a very sticky kind of a, a place in general. I, I think you get a, a lot more volatility in players, uh, past performance where they'll have a, a win following four missed cuts in a row just so I, I think that can happen here so I'm not um, I'm not deterred by Keegan's record here um, at, at all really I guess the other guy that really sticks out to me would be Kevin Streelman whose form is not necessarily quite as good uh, 33rd at the RBC Heritage 36th at the Honda missed the cut at the players Genesis wasn't great he did play really nice at Pebble which I know was a long time ago but but um, Kevin Streelman definitely has my interest he's a past champion here and I think it's the kind of golf course that really fits his game so I'm interested to see how he does too and I think those two guys are safe if you're going with my model this week of uh, Justin Rose and a Dustin Johnson, some kind of a little bit more risky picks. I actually, in a strange way, I think Kevin Streelman is um, is, is a little bit on the safer side. Kevin Streelman won this event in 2013 and Keegan Bradley and Brendan Steele finished fourth last week. It was right on my screen and I refused to look at it. I just yelled out fifth because that's what I thought the answer was. See ya, the 7K range. Who do you like? Yeah, I, I'm I'm on board with Keegan. You know, it's tough to watch Keegan on a Sunday, but at the same time, he's 7,900 and he can have three good days in in one bad one, presumably on a Sunday, and and it's totally fine. So I think again, keeping with the good ball striker, you know, strategy there, that's great. I like Lucas Glover. Um, I mean, lately he's been really good. Let's let's just throw out Zurich. You're, it's a partnered event, but RBC about um. Bolero, Texas Open, Honda, like he's making cuts and he's like very comfortable inside that, you know, 60, 50, top 40 range. And then you look at his history here. I mean, it's it's for a guy that's 7,700. It's pretty good. I, I also think just let's not look historically necessarily only. I think his game is emerging. I think we're going to find that Lucas Glover is a much more consistent golfer than perhaps we've seen lately. Uh, as I go down the range, you know, if I go all the way down to 7K, uh, I do see John Ha there. John Hug, you know, he has his good tournaments and his bad tournaments. It's mostly on the bad side, but he is a good ball striker. And I think at 7,000, you might be finding some value there. 
Huh and Glover for Sia. Let me run through my guys really quickly here. And there's a couple of things of note. Number one is Denny McCarthy. Denny McCarthy was doing this thing last summer around the 3M Open where he was showing off this newfound approach game. And when you marry that with how good of a putter he notoriously is, I had high hopes for him. He kind of lost that for a while, but we're now in a stretch where he has technically gained strokes on approach in four consecutive weeks. It's resulted in a, a third at the Honda and a 13th at the RBC Heritage. That's one guy. Another guy is Phil Mickelson, who, Greg, I am, you, I'm not a Phil guy. I'm not. I do not like playing Phil. I, I think he's fine, whatever. But he is he's doing it right now. F five out of six events, he has gained strokes on approach. The last time we saw him was a 21st place finish at the Masters, and he was a surprise add to this field. He has not played this since 2004. He might be feeling himself. He might be like, hey, I'm playing well. I got to find a place to go out and win some money. Yeah, I think you're right, Rick. When you look at that long layoff, this would be a reason why he wants to play. Um, and the long layoff, there's also a reason for that. And that's what gives me such great concern. I, I am just not sure that it's a good setup for him. I don't think it's a great golf course for him. I don't like Phil in Florida. Um, and, and so I'm probably taking a pass on Phil. He's probably going to have a pretty good week. I mean, he's one of the best golfers of all time. So he's a great player, no question. And he can win anywhere. And he has. He's won in Florida as well. But I just, I don't think that this is the kind of place for him unless we see a, a very different strategy where he's, he's playing kind of a, a go-to fade or, or some kind of go-to shot clubbing down off the tee a lot. And he, he's a very conservative. I just worry he's going to make a big mistake. And, and that's my, my worry with him. And I think his history kind of shows that that is true. Oh, I definitely have worries as well with Mr. Yeah. Mickelson, but uh, for $7,200, I think I can get past most of them. And then at 7300 see ya. I'm back on, on Peter Uline. I mean, this is, he's splitting time now between the Corn Ferry and the PGA Tour. His last five starts between both. He has a win, a runner-up, a third, a T22. He played well with Richie Warinsky last week. In fact, they shot one of the best sets of alternate shot scores we've ever seen. Greg, we were talking about that, I think, on Sunday's recap show. They were eight under in alternate shot. Only two other partners have been better in alternate shot. Both of those went on to win. Uh, you have to be in complete control of your game when you're doing that. And not that I don't think all of these guys are motivated, Sia, but Uline's playing that game now where if you get a top 10, you get another start. And that's how he got into this one. Like he's not going to, he's going to be grinding if he is 18th on Sunday, trying to find himself inside that top 10. Yeah, and I'm personally disappointed I didn't have him in match play because we talked about him on the on the first cut on Monday last week. We've talked about him winning that Corn Ferry Tour event uh, in Vegas, and yeah. Wierenski is one of those guys that pops up. So I, I like that play. I guess the question for me would be, do, do I want to take Ulhein or, or some Peter Ulhein or someone around him? Like, for example, Brent Snedeker has been playing well. He's He's got a good history here. I, I can pay down to like John Ha or maybe a Roy Sabatini or a, a classic ball striker in Gim or Naismith. So when I measure him against everybody else there and, and knowing that, you know, he, he probably will get some ownership. I don't know where I have him standing in terms of next to the guys I just mentioned, but I do like the play. Fair enough. Uh, let's jump on down to the 6K. 
This is where things start to go a bit sideways for me. There might be two guys I'm comfortable playing, but it's Bryce Garnett, James Hahn, the aforementioned Richie Wierenski, Ryan Moore, Tom Lewis, Wyndham Clark, all at 6,900. And the min price this week is Michael. Yeah, Michael Kim's in this field. Martin Trainer, Luke Donald, Zin Zun Zhang, flat. Min 6,000. And there's a Kepka down here, Greg. A Kepka, not, not that one. The other one, it's Chase. Yes, um, which is interesting. Very, very interesting. Um, there's a couple of guys in this range. It, it definitely makes you nervous, but there's a couple of opportunities yeah. to go off of uh, recent, like Richie Wierenski, who great yeah. week last week. Uh, he's a Florida guy. It doesn't have any, he, he's never made a cut here, but maybe this is a, a good week for Richie. I, I don't know. Um, the guy that I also would have in mind um, is Kyle Stanley. And I, I think Kyle Stanley is kind of interesting. He played last week with KH Lee and there was a time where they were really in contention. Um, I think they had a bad round on on Saturday. But beside the point, he played nice at the Valero Texas Open, played nice at the he's had a couple of nice finishes throughout the year. But what what Kyle Stanley does so nicely is he's a, he's great at getting the ball in play. And I think that's going to be really important at a venue like that. And when you're looking down in this range, I I think there's a there's a world where it's good to have a couple of safe guys. And if I can get a guy in the 6K range where I'm confident he's going to make the cut, I know he's hitting the ball pretty nicely right now. Um, I, I know that he has a tied 27th in his last start here. So he's he's played well here in the past. Um, and and I think he's a guy who is going to have the ability to keep it in play. As I said, he, he hits you know 63% of his fairways. And I think that's on the rise. Doesn't make a ton of birdies. This could be a good course for him. Hmm, interesting. I actually don't mind that at all. And I'm not usually an investor of Kyle Stanley, but it does look better than a lot of his peers in a similar price range. Sia, down in the 6K range, you've got to find something. What do you like? Greg, I don't know what's going on here uh, because oh this is going to be the third time now that I have uh, wholeheartedly agreed with you. So I told you I put that 50 to 1 bet already right when the numbers came out on Cameron Tringali. Well, I made two other bets and one of them I understand this probably isn't going to come in, but it's fun. Was Kyle Stanley at 250 to one? Now, wow, 250. Kyle, it's, it's a crazy number, which of course makes it fun. It's pocket change, of course. But the, the, the point is, Kyle Stanley, the last like 36 rounds, let's just go by that. He's been very good. Aside from the putter, he's been really good. I mean, pretty much in every other metric, in every other way. Oh, that's you, that last 36 or last 3,600 rounds for Kyle Stanley. He's been very yeah. good everywhere but the putter. So at least yeah, he's on brand. <laughs> yeah, no, it, no, that's a good point. But the point is, I guess what we're saying here is for a guy in this range that's striking the ball so well, keeping the ball in play, it's a perfect course for him. Again, you got to get hot with the putter. You got to be average with the putter, but it's the same old story with putter regression. If you find some, this guy all of a sudden will be playing like a a guy that should have been, you know, in the 8K range. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but at at his price, I actually love Kyle Stanley. Um, I'll tell you the the other guys I like here, um, James Hahn, I I haven't really decided on. he, history here isn't very good. His recent history isn't very good, but I do like him as a guy with some upside. I think Tom Lewis is a pretty smart play if you have to dip yeah. into this range. And a couple other guys that are really kind of low, I think 6,500 or lower. Cam Percy, 
I mean, he is a good course fit, and sometimes he pops. Maybe maybe a poor man's Michael Thompson, if you will. He keeps it in play, and, and he should get some good enough putts to you know make a difference if he can make them. And then Will Gordon is super cheap, and I, I'm not a Will Gordon guy, but when he's you know 6,400, uh, I'll, I'll take a couple flyers on him. You've probably not seen this yet, but I think we were live, and Will Gordon tested positive for COVID. He has withdrawn from this event. I can I confirm stay away that. from him. I it's, it's the easiest, <laughs> more easiest more. fade. Yeah. <laughs> um, I can confirm that here shortly. Will Gordon and Bryce Garnett uh, have withdrawn from the Valspar Championship. They've been replaced with JJ Spawn and Tim Wilkinson. So there you go. A little live breaking news. All right. I got I got a question on one other guy. I want to get your both of your thoughts on it. Um, any interest at all in Camilo? Uh, not how, what price is he? He's got to be pretty low, right? Uh, six, what is he? 60, um, 67. Yes. Yeah, six, yes. Yeah. So I, I, he came up in, I was running, I run a bunch of different weird things and like short term, he's been pretty good. Right. I mean, he finished 25th at the RBC 17th at the Valero. He had an eighth at that Honda and he missed the cut at Punta Cana, but we don't have the strokes gain data data. So we don't know what he did there. Uh, what we have historically seen from, from Camilo is kind of like team no putt. He, he just can't putt. He can, he can stripe it a bit. Uh, I don't mind this, Greg. He's 6,700 bucks. There's really not many guys that do it for me down here. I, I wouldn't mind this that much. I, I'll tell you this. Um, you see, I, I'm kind of operating from a different perspective because he broke my art, broke my heart at Corrales because I would have had a six for six. Uh, uh, anyway, but but if I, you know, honestly, I think Sepp Strzok and Martin Laird are probably, and Kyle Stanley are probably a little bit more interesting to me, but Vegas has the upside. I don't mind the play at all. The only other guy that I had uh interest in would have been Hagee, who finished second at a Florida course at the Honda, uh, 17th at Valero, missed the cut at RBC Heritage, and then made the cut and finished 28th last week at the Zurich. I'm vaguely interested in Hagee. And before I forget, uh, let's go back to Kyle Stanley for a second. I had to look this up, so I don't expect you guys to know this, but any guesses on how many PGA Tour wins Kyle Stanley has? Two. I mean, that is, that is, that is correct. So no. you don't have to guess. Yeah. That's it's the, um, I'm, you, right, I'm not guessing. Them? It's yeah. the, it's the, uh, the Quicken loans. He won the Quicken loans and he won an event right after Quicken the loans, farmers yeah. in oh, 2012. Right. He threw away the farmers. He you threw it away hero. and he ended up coming back. He had like a three shot lead, or I think it was like three or four shot lead on the 18th hole. He laid up, he had a wedge, he spun it back in the water, ends up losing in a playoff. Um, I forget who he lost to. Maybe it was Snedeker. Playoffs? <laughs> and, then, and then he, uh, he won the waste management very soon after. The next week. Yeah, he did. Yeah. So, wow, that is great work by you. So That was impressive. Kyle, I'm a Kyle Stanley fan, more so <laughs> than I should be. So it, that kind of came out here, and it may not be as impressive as, as you think. He Move over, what, Adam Hadwin. Here's what <laughs> happened. Can I jump in Hi, here real quick? Please. Uh, Greg, is your dream like foursome if you could join three other golfers? Richie Wierenski, Peter Uline, and Kyle Stanley? Because I'm really getting that vibe. And Adam Hadwin. Uh, Adam Hadwin. Hadwin's got to be there, right? Well, Greg would be the fourth. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
So, right, I would be the fourth. It depends. You could add Hadwin. Look, I just think I, I had a feeling that Hadwin was going to go off and do really well. I like getting behind guys. I like joining fan clubs, much like Sia. But I would have to say, no, they would not. that would not be my dream foursome. As much as I love Peter Uline, I don't think... Uh, I, I don't think that we're close enough yet. We've only played nine holes together. Kyle Stanley and I have played zero, but I still think he might slip his way in there because uh, I've just been such a fan from afar and I could get an autograph and all that stuff, which I'm I'm dying for. So you're, <laughs> you're probably, close there, Jacob. But we can probably get you a Kyle Stanley yeah. autograph if you just, really want one. Just message him. <laughs> you think he'd play with me if I, if I asked? <laughs> probably. <laughs> all right, here's what happened. So Greg is... Uh, uh, absolutely correct on how this all went down. So in 2012 at the farmer's insurance open, Kyle Stanley and Brant Snedeker went to a playoff that, uh, was thanks to Kyle Stanley shooting a final round 74 while Snedeker shot a 67. So that is a seven shot difference on Sunday to get into that playoff. Sound right, Greg? Yeah. And it was, again, it, it, I think he made triple on the 18th hole. I think he made an eight on 18. Um, and he hit it in the fairway. He laid up and he spun a wedge back into the water. And he may have, he may have done that twice. He may have hit it in the water twice in front of the 18th green there. To his credit, he came out the very next week and got his, what would have been at the time, his first PGA Tour victory uh, by winning the Waste Management Phoenix Open and finishing second that week. Here, here was the guys that finished behind him. Ben Crane, Spencer Levine, remember him, DJ Trahan, and then actually guys that are still playing, Bubba, Kevin Na, Brendan Steele, Webb Simpson. There you go. What a fascinating time frame 2012 was. But that Flash was when I really felt, uh, that's when I fell in love with Kyle Stanley. I felt sick for him after the Farmers, and he came back and I was like, I, I mean, uh, I, I was pretty well into the game at this point, but I, but watching, I just felt sick for him. And then he comes out the very next week and wins, and I just thought, this is so cool. It, it was a very cool story. So I've been watching him ever since, and he was good to me in 2018 with a couple of close calls. So that's right, that's kind of the backstory of how it all began and how he got into my dream foursome. Real, and then real that, quick, Rick, real yep. quick, that, that narrative actually fits the Louis story that we were talking about earlier, I'm just saying. Oh, it's Same. Louis week. Might be Louis. We Could Charles, second- were you guys interested in Charles at all too? Just on that on that uh, trip down Narrative Street. Didn't Charles win this event? Yeah, two thousand. I'm shocked. I'm shocked. We got uh, maybe fifteen because Hadwin. Well, Hadwin. Won, I'm, I was going to say I'm shocked we got through this without saying Hadwin's name because he's won this <laughs> event. I was waiting for it, Greg. And yeah. so I don't know. They won it back to back. It would have been so. So Casey won at nineteen eighteen. Hadwin must have won at seventeen. Schwartzel must have won at sixteen. I think that's how it played out. Yeah. Um, Because they they showed a graphic on the broadcast this week of Charles' last win. And I think it was 2016 Valspar. So, look, I I think he's an interesting play. I I think he's feeling good. The the, the Zurich Classic does more for the players than it does for us. They don't put an asterisk next to it the way we do. They still can gain a lot of confidence from it. So I'm interested, very interested in the Louis and uh, Charles duo. All right. Anything else before we go? See ya. Anybody? No. Let's go Cameron Tringali and Kyle Stanley for my outright tickets. How about that? There There we go. All right. Great. (laughs) Anything else? Any other Kyle Stanley stories? I have a blast with you guys. No more story time for today. Uh, Unfortunately, I think that's all she wrote. That that second win, Quicken Loans National over Charles Howell, 
Ricky Fowler, Martin Laird, Mark Leishman was the rest of that top five. Yeah, Scott Gaines, he's a, he's Scott a gamer. Gaines. All right. That'll do it for this DFS preview for this week's Valspar Championship. Let me thank producer Jacob doing all the hard work behind and in front of the scenes today. Thank you, producer Jacob. Let me thank Sia Najad, who you can find on Twitter at Sia Najad. And let me thank Greg Ducharme, who you can find on Twitter at The Real GFD. You can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut, and we'll catch you next time. Hey everyone, this is Jimmy Conrad, your favorite former U.S. Men's National Team player and the host of the Call It What You Want podcast. And I'm here to tell you that Viore is a versatile clothing brand that speaks my language. It's inspired from the coastal California lifestyle, just like me. Its products stand the test of time, just like me. And also just like me, it endeavors to inspire others to live vibrant, healthy lives. Viore gear is designed to look great in everyday life while also being perfect for any workout activity. I'm currently rocking the Men's Sunday Performance Jogger And don't let the name deceive you. You can wear these babies any day of the week and in any situation. I'm talking going to the office, running errands, the gym, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash sports. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash sports. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Again, go to viore.com sports and discover the versatility of Viore clothing.